This is Bloomberg Business Week with Carol Masser and Jason Kelly on Bloomberg Radio. So safe to say we've been looking forward to this hour, right? We're going to talk about the arts. We're going to talk about giving back. We're going to also get to some wine a little bit later on. It's kind of a perfect 60 minutes headed your way. Um, First up, Jason, we're going to talk about the Harlem Film House. Yeah, we're delighted to be joined by Ciara Caper. She's founder and CEO of the Harlem Film House. As you said, joining us on the phone from Harlem, the mission to support independent and marginalized filmmakers in New York City and helping filmmakers keep their projects alive during the pandemic. That is no easy task. CR, really nice to have you with Carol and myself. Thank you, guys. I am a huge fan. It is super dope to be here. I appreciate you guys. Thank you. (laughs) I really appreciate you guys, particularly on being on Bloomberg and being on Bloomberg Business and allowing people to understand that, you know, this is a business, even though it is in the arts, it's still a business and we still need to support marginalized filmmakers with the business of film. Right. Well, well, thank you so much. It's very nice of you to say, and uh, we're excited about the work you're doing. Tell us about it. Tell us what Harlem Filmhouse is, just like from the ground up. <laughs> well, from the ground up, we are a 501c corporation. We produce film and music festivals. We operate year-round workshops, theater productions, and live events, while also offering business consulting to filmmakers and content creators and underserved communities around the world. So what we're really talking about is creating an economic ecosystem by providing filmmakers services and resources to ensure the longevity of their careers in film, theater, and related entrepreneurial pursuits, such as producing, uh, learning what the other jobs are in the industry that actually create economy, jobs, and sustenance for families. I got to say, CR, you know, we have talked to some different folks, uh, Jane Rosenthal of Tribeca and some other, you know, uh, individuals, producers who are writing series for some of the streaming folks. I mean, content has had such a tough time in the pandemic, Mm -hmm. right? Because you just couldn't go around, like most of us, you couldn't go about, you know, doing what you do normally. But in particular, content creation, it's a lot of people often in a close space, uh, very Mm -hmm. close to one another. Tell us how the pandemic has impacted you guys and really the community that you serve? Well, for us, because we're often overlooked, you will find that there is more than enough content to service the world for at least three to five years without repeat. And that's the thing. It really draws to attention the people that were overlooked because now you have all this amazing content that's been overlooked for years from these marginalized communities, but who are actually creating and have created the content that drives culture forward, that drives box office numbers and apps and all of these things. If you look at any of the apps and particularly in the business models that create it, they reside on content. And the creators of that content are the young people, are folks who embrace the culture of hip hop globally. They're the ones creating the content that people are actually wanting to see. So then when you take that and you look at it and say, well, what are these people creating beyond these clips? They're actually creating shorts, movies, and things that are in that same vein. So what the pandemic has taught us is, number one, this is the perfect opportunity to introduce the world to uh, content creators from around the world, regardless of color, who embrace 
this culture and the spirit of entrepreneurism and giving the world something fresh and new. Second, it allows us to really hone in on the fact that while people are getting back to work in productions, that they do need to do it safely. And how do we provide that? by offering workshops and classes around the compliance with uh, COVID, letting them understand what, you know, distance means, cleaning equipment, and keeping those sets safe. We combined and created a unique collective called Blackville, where it's not just about Black creatives and, you know, creating opportunities, but it's also about keeping smaller production safe. Yeah. We're going to launch an initiative to make sure that we have people on every set, get them COVID compliant so that they can earn money and keep production, small production safe. Because as you know, we're not protected like the big studios. We're overlooked. Right. Um, so it's up to us to make sure that everyone is safe, regardless of color, but according to economic right. income. And mm-hmm. so, CR, you know, one of the things I'm so interested in your background is instead of going to film school, as I understand it, you just like went out and got a camera. You started making films. <laughs> That's how you got into this. So yes. you understand it literally from, as we sort of said at the beginning, from from the ground up. I would imagine this new world order that we're living in actually in some ways plays to the strengths of being sort of small and nimble, Right. And you got it right. So you guys have heard of the phrase, too big to fail, we're too small to fail. Right. Which in this <laughs> like economy is, is important. Yeah. So it's like, you know, all the big guys, oh, my God, they're, you know, this big behemoth film festivals, and they're great. Trust me, we work with Sundance, awesome organization. But, you know, it does, it is too, it is too big to operate and too big to be swift and nimble, which is what is needed right now. Can I, can I just, can I, about it. can I just say mm-hmm. that is such a really important point, too small to fail. Jason and I talk about it kind of more broadly, um, CR, and just the importance of saving small businesses. And many of our guests do as well, that it is so important to the economy. It's not just about the big guys out there, especially getting through this pandemic. So we're going to come back and and talk some more because I think that is um, a really interesting part of this conversation and a really important one, Jason. Yeah, absolutely. And we definitely want to talk more with CR about what uh, the President Morehouse College told us earlier this week are the two pandemics facing this country, not just the pandemic when it comes to the coronavirus, but the pandemic of racism and the fight for racial justice and this movement that we are seeing really take hold. And we saw a lot about it at the Democratic National Convention, people speaking the words, systemic racism and those sorts of conversations that are happening. And we know from other conversations we've had, not the least of which is with people like LeBron James and Maverick Carter, that these sorts of productions now are getting the sort of attention that they deserve and the sort of attention they for a long time didn't get. Right. And to make sure that those folks that those black, you know, filmmakers are are actually owning their property and getting the same rights and access like everyone else is uh, in the film industry. It's really, really important. So we're going to come back and continue our conversation um, with CR in just a moment. Let's get right back to our conversation with CR Capers. She is founder, CEO of Harlem Filmhouse. Johnny's on the phone from Harlem. You know, CR, sometimes the stars just align and other people (laughs) are thinking about the same things we are. And that was the case this week 
week with the New York Times because they have a terrific piece and candidly a troubling one about the Criterion Collection. Anyone who cares about movies knows the Criterion Collection. It's studied in mm -hmm. film schools. You know, I love the Criterion Collection as someone who loves movies. And yet its own president coming out and basically saying, we've done a really crummy job with featuring black directors and films made by black people. How do we fix it? Well, number one is for you to give them my direct number, and we can start that conversation there. Number two, um, I think sometimes we do get caught up in the word black and melanin. It's about telling everyone's story, yeah. not just black or Asian or, or white. We are a plethora of communities and cultures. Like you can say black, but does that also include the West Indian community? Does that also include people with a more southern twang to their culture but have an excess of melanin in their skin? So we really have to think about not just assigning a color to our human experience, but then also being inclusive of everyone's story. So go ahead and give him my number. We have a lot to talk about. For instance, does he understand the complex uh, uh, social narrative that's embedded in a very old school movie called Hollywood Shuffle that was directed by yeah. Robert Townsend. Does he understand the complexity in an old 70s movie called A Five on the Black Hand Side? Movies that aren't typically seen as, you know, important are super important to the culture and have taught people how to live or to be accepting of another human being, whether it be in a humorous way or a funny way, the cultural significance of blazing saddles alone. Why is that not? You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it definitely lends to a conversation of who's making a decision and why does only their opinion count. Right. So we have constantly talked about, especially coming off of Again, the inequalities um, laid bare because of the virus, because of, again, of course, the tragedy of George Floyd and others um, and what happened in Minneapolis. But I do wonder, CR, is it what we, what we keep talking about is that you don't have blacks and minorities represented well in the higher mm -hmm. echelons of pick your industry. Mm -hmm. And as a result, mm -hmm. projects don't get brought along. You don't have a seat at the table that helps to cultivate mm -hmm. filmmakers and give them these opportunities. But, but tell me, you're seeing it firsthand. What's going on? Why mm -hmm. aren't we seeing a bigger uh, you know, presence of blacks and minorities, especially when it comes to making films? Because no one cares about our voice. It's that simple. Can you imagine what it's like to be locked in a room and constantly screaming and screaming and people just walking by, just completely oblivious to you? That's what it is. I can tell you from personal experience myself how often I have reached out to distributors and said, listen, we're not asking for a handout. We just want equitable opportunity. Why can't we get someone from Netflix to attend our festival? I can't even begin to tell you how frustrating it is, how horrible and how hurtful it is to be on the phone with these people and for them to basically either ghost you or tell you that, you know, basically, oh, we don't think you're important enough when you're not worth us showing up for. So how do you fight that? How do you fight that? Can I just say, Jason, it reminds me of Dr. Ramon Talaj, who, who um, was it? Oh, maybe it was, it was Ali Solomon we had actually last week. Forgive me. Um, but they were all talking about kind of, I don't want a handout. I want a hand up, you know, in terms of, 
you know, blacks getting more opportunities out there. So have you seen anything, CR, over the past few months as the as these conversations have gotten louder and maybe broader in terms of people paying attention? And as I was alluding to right before we took mm-hmm. a little break, this notion that people are actually saying the words systemic racism, are the conversations changing? And unfortunately, we only have about a minute left. We're going to have to come back with you uh, right. soon. Gotcha. But uh, people are saying the same thing, but no one's doing anything. Mm. We've been talking about systemic racism since they turned the hoses on us uh, in the 60s. We've been talking about it before at Jim Crow. What other definition, what word are you going to give it? Let's do something. Answer the phone. Pick Pick up the phone. Show up for black folk. Netflix. What's the movie <laughs> we should what's the movie we should all watch, CR? What's a movie we should watch? Well, uh, if you really want to understand this Hollywood game and how uh, it affects black folks specifically, you gotta watch Hollywood Shuffle. Okay. You gotta watch that. Hands down. Uh, Robert Townsend Townsend is the goat when it comes to that. I would also suggest Higher Learning it was uh, a movie that was yep. done by John Singleton. We all know Do the Right Thing and Spike Lee's uh, filmography. But I would definitely say if you really want to know what to watch, hit me up. And I'm going to send you guys a list personally because I have some lists. Uh, there's a whole bunch that I can give to you guys that will uh, you know, take you through. What's Can't wait. Can't wait. Send it to us and we'll tweet out too so yeah, we can share we with everybody. Thank you so much, CR Capers. Uh, She is the founder and CEO of Harlem Film House, the creator of the Hip Hop Film Festival, now in its fifth year. So glad she spent some time with us. We're going to keep in touch with her for sure. Can't wait to get that list. Mm -hmm. It's Bloomberg.